Carefree Black Nerd is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, BYNKRadio.com, CarefreeBlackNerd.com. When you're listening to this episode, live tweet using the hashtag CBNPod. Let me know you're out there. Let me know you're listening. Please comment on the SoundCloud app if you got it. Rate and review. Give me those five stars on iTunes. Let me know you're out there listening, guys. And uh, march on over to Facebook. There is a Carefree Black Nerd Facebook page. Trying to get that up, do a little bit more regular posting, and uh, just kind of reach out and talk with everyone. So please, please, please uh, hit me up and uh, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I'm your host, Rain Coleman, and this issue covers David Aline, a.k.a. Prodigy. Now, Prodigy is a character in Marvel Comics, someone who I've learned about relatively recently, but i kind of seen him before, if that makes sense. Like, I've... Um, I've seen the character, I've seen his uh, outfit, costume, and whatnot. When he came about back in 2003, I was actually kind of, um, I think that was about the beginning of me pulling away from comics, just by nature of living and having other responsibilities and such. Comics just were not on the top of my list. So, he's one of those characters that kind of snuck in under the radar for me. But um, I'm very happy to dive into his story today because there, there's a lot. Um, I most recently seen him at Sotomayor University in America Chavez's solo run, but we'll kind of lead up to that. Um, I think he's an interesting character. Like aesthetically alone, he looks good. And I say that because there was a time, uh, and not that he's exempt from this, but back in the day when, as a black male character, they just drew white characters and put brown skin on them. Or they had a black guy with a bald head, you know, like Sink. But, I digress. Now, Prodigy, the real name is David Aline. He is uh, goes by the codename Prodigy. And his other AKAs are Brain Boy, Mr. Mega Brain 3000, <laughs> Brainiac, Brains, <laughs> Mr. After School Special, Mr. Judgmental, Mr. Know-It-All. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, that's, yeah. So we, we kind of see where this is going. Um, his relatives are Christopher Aline, who is his father, Dorothy Aline, who is his mother, and Kim Aline, his sister, baby sister, I believe. Um, affiliations are the Hitachi Corporation, New Mutants, Formerly Young Avengers, New X-Men, New Mutant Squad, Xavier Institute Student Body, X-Men, and Assisted the X-Club. His base of operations, uh, Sotomayor University, uh, formerly of a mobile utopia. For those of you in the know, again, utopia uh, will be for another lesson. San Francisco Bay, California, uh, Gray Malkin Industries, Marin Highlands, San Francisco, California, Xavier Institute, Salem Center, Westchester County, New York, Hyde Park, Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> and that was uh, working our way backwards from where he is currently back to where he was before. Now, his status is he has a secret identity. He is of an American citizenship. He is single and his occupation is an adventurer formerly a hotline consultant and a student it's just like that's the one thing about him that i think is so interesting that he used to work at a call center <laughs> but again we'll get into that now as far as his education is concerned again working kind of backwards but kind of not uh, the xavier institute um some college level courses at the university of chicago and absorbed phd level knowledge and of course that will uh, make more sense as the lesson goes on he is a male, 6 feet 1, 187 pounds, brown eyes, black hair. So, <laughs> there's that. Now, his origin is that he is a depowered mutant with previous absorbed knowledge and skills physically unlocked by the Stepford Cuckoos. Ugh. 
he is he exists rather in the Earth 616, which is the main Marvel continuity. He was born in Chicago, Illinois, and created by and I'm going to butcher this name, forgive me, Nunzio Di Filippis and Christina Weir and Karen Grant. Um, he first appeared in New Mutants Volume 2 that was issue number 4 back in October of 2003. So this guy is what, coming up on 15, 15 years old in uh, our 616 timeline. <laughs> but in the timeline of the Marvel Universe, he's probably like, I don't know, 21, 22, which is, yeah. So David Aleem. Now, again, I did pull away from comics for a time, and that was when I was just consuming them because I liked them, I enjoyed them, and they were, you know, something interesting to look at and to read. Now I consume them with a larger kind of uh, purpose in mind. So I think, and this could be a long shot, but I think seeing a character like him would have kept me in a little longer. I know Generation X was like my team and they were not being handled well towards the end of their run. And I just was not here for that. Uh, but I think seeing a character like Prodigy would have probably kept me at the very least collecting issues for a little bit longer. Um, but, you know, you live and you learn. Now, his origin. David Aline was raised by his father and mother with his younger sister, Kim, in their home in Hyde Park neighborhood excuse me in their home in the Hyde Park neighborhood of Chicago Illinois growing up David was always bright and intelligent but when his mutant powers activated the answers just started coming to him he quickly realized that he was a mutant with the ability to telepathically absorb the knowledge and skills of anyone nearby which is like okay you know you could have a worse power than that that's uh, <laughs> very interesting and um <clears throat> I like that I don't know. I'm of two minds. One, like, okay, that's cool. That's a wonderful power. And it's very subtle. And it's something that I feel like is good because it does move you to the next level. And it gives you a leg up as a black person, as a character of color. But then I'm like, eh, this is kind of the same issue we had with, like, Jean Grey back in X-Men Evolution, the animated series, where when it came out that these people were mutants, like, they took Jean Grey's, like, basketball trophy away from her and all this other shit because it was like, oh, well, she used her powers and such and such. It's like, ooh. So are you, on the one hand, you're giving him this cool power, but then on the other hand, me having this lived-in black experience, I'm thinking, like, are you trying to blame his exceptionalism on his power? Like, some type of, like, handout that he got? Like, I don't know. And I'm going to get as deep and political as I possibly want to because, I mean, shit, that's what comics are, eh? It's propaganda. <laughs> no, but seriously, I just, I felt like, I don't know, I just felt a little off about that. And, uh, you know, it's up to your interpretation, but that's what I took from it. <clears throat> now, uh, taking a quick aside with Prodigy's powers, um, initially he has the telepathic ability to absorb and mimic the knowledge and skills from the minds of people close to him. Now, a side effect of his powers, they prevent him from retaining that knowledge that he absorbs and he forgets whatever he's learned after a short period of time. So with that description being out there now, it's like, I don't know. I feel like Prodigy is the embodiment of you have to work twice as hard to be half as good or accepted as them. And we know who the them are. And I say that because he is an intelligent guy and he gets kind of handed this gift that boosts his intelligence and then he realizes that that's what's happening and he still has to work twice as hard to kind of compensate for this limited amount of um, intelligence that he gets ever so often and also to prove to himself that he is better or he surpasses his mutant ability <clears throat> so um, now the power is completely involuntary and absorbs thoughts short-term information and awareness this is why, for those of you not in the know, this character is very similar to Sink, a.k.a. Everett Thomas of Generation X Volume 1. Um, his power was essentially the same, but it manifested in this, like, rainbow-colored aura around him where he could naturally just sink into the closest... And it wasn't even a mutant. It was... I think it started off as he had to sink into mutants' abilities, but then it 
progressed as superpowered persons and then I think even regular baseline humans. Not going to spend a whole lot of time on sync, but the similarities are there. And I think I said this before on some episode. Don't call me which one because it was it's so many. <laughs> but it would be so dope to see a book with sync and rogue whose powers are kind of sort of the same and even add in prodigy. But whatever. Now, <clears throat> getting back to prodigy. Since losing his powers, spoiler alert, he ma- maintains a high intellect due to his extensive studying prior to coming to Xavier's. So even that in itself, I'm, you can hear me, <laughs> me being kind of conflicted. I hope I'm not like contradicting myself, but I do have this <clears throat> issue with the character. And it's not all bad, but it's because his powers are based primarily with his intellect and with absorbing the intellect of others as opposed to oh he can fly and punch through walls and disappear like it's not that it's more of a i don't know it's 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 uh cerebral i'll say that i i don't know i'm, I'm conflicted <laughs> those of you out there listening tweet me carefree blurred and be like Motherfucker, what are you what are you talking about <laughs> or be like i get what you're saying like you feel me <laughs> all right so um, after uh, after losing his powers and he gets he maintains that high intellect because he studied so much um, he's able to create a danger cave which is a training room for the rest of his uh, classmates and peers and all that um, he maintains the knowledge of the physical combat that he absorbed when he worked with the X-Men um, because he had these blocks removed from his mind by the Step for Cuckoos he later regains his access to all of these skills, which is like he's pr- really like a walking computer, <laughs> so to speak. And I don't know. I think that this is the poor man's sink, but this is a solid character on his own. And I'd like to see more done with him, like as I always do. <laughs> now, when he quickly realizes that he's a mutant with the ability to telepathically absorb that knowledge and skill... He's concerned that this was not authentic, which, okay, he's concerned about that, which I get that, but then also your mutant power is natural to you, so why wouldn't it be authentic? Like, that's like saying, you know, me being able to read minds because I'm a telepath, that's not authentic. Well, that's something that naturally manifested within me, so that is very authentic to me specifically, but yeah. So, um, David kept his mutation a secret and began studying even harder. Now, he began taking college-level courses while finishing his high school and started working with Karma. Now, for those of you who don't know, Karma is a Vietnamese mutant. Um, her real name is, and I, oh God, don't let me butcher this, Zian Koi Man. And that's X-I apostrophe A-N and then Koi, C-O-Y, Man, M-A-H-N. I think I pronounced that correctly. If not, please, someone let me know. Um, she's also a mutant she um was at the xavier institute as well she has like this trouble backstory but we'll get into her in another time but i did want to kind of bring her up there'll be a few other mutants who will pop up here and there in this particular lesson that will uh, be of importance later on now he studied with her at the university excuse me library until he was outed by the hate goop hate goop <laughs> hate group purity now with this group this is something that i have been um was kind of weighing on me because i haven't read these issues with prodigy i do have access to marvel unlimited now or whatever their like um web-based digital comic library is so i'm going to get into the character eventually but i was thinking like how the fuck do you know that David has these powers. He doesn't have physical abilities. And I'm sure there's some type of convoluted. We have a, a gun that can detect any mutants in, you know, five mile radius, whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's that's the case. But he's one of the people who does not have physical manifestations of his um, of his powers. So I'm like, that's, that's odd. Now, after his cover is blown, Danielle Moonstar recruited him. Now, for the girls of you not know, <laughs> Danielle Moonstar is a Native American of the Cheyenne Nation. 
And she is a mutant whose powers emerged at puberty as well. She cannot control her ability to create visible images of people's greatest fears, manifesting the images at unexpected moments. Now, there is or was or might be a New Mutants movie through Fox, which now that Disney has Fox's properties, it may have. I don't know. All of that, that movie, The New Mutants, was going to be based around Dania Moonstar's like two-issue arc in New Mutants called the Demon Bear Saga, which I do recommend everyone checking out. Um, a badass Native American or First Nations. I'm not 100% sure what is the appropriate terminology. Someone please tweet me, Carefree Blurred, and let me know. Uh, but she... I've been a fan of this character forever in a day. When I was a kid, just seeing the aesthetic of her, like... And I'll say this as a quick aside with Danielle Moonstar's character. I didn't read the first volume of New Mutants, which came out like back in the late 80s, I believe. But when I was aware of her as a kid, she was already an X Factor, X Force. So seeing, and I have to track down those issues and see who the artist was because there, a lot of times, comics, especially back in the day, fell into this trap of everyone looks white. Even if you're a light-skinned black person or if you're an Asian person um, or if you are just a person of color who is lighter and has long hair, they would be quick to slap long hair on you and then just make you a little darker white person. I cannot recall ever seeing an issue with Danielle Moonstar in it and she didn't look non-white. Or she didn't look white. No, not white. Yeah. What I'm saying is she never looked like a white person to me. And that was something I did appreciate because visually, even as a child, I knew she was not white. Now, it might help that she did have some trappings of like the um, Native American headpiece and the way her hair was braided. Just some signifiers that for me as a kid consuming other media made me kind of cue in that she was not a white person, that she was a Native American. That aside, there has been times where she's just been dressed in, you know, regular T-shirt and jeans and whatnot. And she's always been visually, um, as far as I can remember, recognized as a woman of color. So I do appreciate that. Um, and then unlike Forge, because again, another quick aside, <laughs> Forge is also Native American. I think he's Cheyenne as well. And he doesn't, he actually looked white to me. But now lately because coloring is very different and because you know we've progressed or we're progressing and technology is getting better so creating comics makes it a bit easier to make variations and stuff he loves he does look like a man of color but there was a time where i thought forge was a white man i didn't know that he was native american but getting back to the listener <laughs> um, and be looking out for those lessons later on uh, sometime this year or next year or in a future episode of Carefree Black Nerd Podcast now Prodigy being outed as a mutant is another thing that bothers me like <laughs> that is usually the story your mutant powers manifest some kind of way either someone gets hurt someone dies or you get attacked and then you have to run off to xavier school for higher gifted learning best magical students there is it gets old um no, no i don't want to say that well it does kind of get old but that's what works and so that's what keeps happening over and over and i can't get too upset at it because if we if we didn't have that kind of baseline of a narrative we might have never gotten generation x which is like my favorite comic <laughs> volume one uh so <laughs> now moving on to the new mutants training squad david was enrolled in the xavier institute giving the code name prodigy now with him being enrolled into this school his uh, father and mother and his little sister were okay with that and that's something that i do appreciate um David is from the Midwest. He's from Chicago. I'm trying to think if... I know Sink was from St. Louis. Whatever. He um, has this, like, happy-go-lucky family who supports him and, you know, helps him out and, and is a good support system for him. And I do appreciate that. I do wish, however, that we got more on um, on Prodigy's family. Now, his dad, Christopher... And, oh, and this one I do appreciate is that the times that I have seen his his family within doing the research for this, they look like black people. They don't look like white characters or just generic characters that you just put brown skin on. Like, they look, you know, regular. Now, his dad, um, 
I think had two appearances in Marvel Comics, if I am looking at my notes correctly, and then his mother may be the same. Now, I really wish that we would get more of a backstory or more fleshed out history with these characters um, and their families. And I think we do focus on the mutants. Um, It is a school. It is a book about the mutants and being different and all this other stuff. But I do feel as if when it comes to especially these characters of color to flesh out their family situations prior to mutant powers manifesting would just would would help to better the character like you don't have to have the like summer's family where every goddamn person in that family is a mutant and that's like the basis of all the family drama like i don't know if it's like me just craving more representation in the comic but i i would be interested to see what happened with prodigy as a kid how he was as a child um what his feelings were like when his sister was born was he upset was he happy was he excited what did his parents do for a living how was chicago for him seen through the eyes of this little brown boy way back then like i just uh this is why when you hand stuff off to creators of color or let them enter these spaces without being harassed you get more fleshed out stories not to say david's is bad i just wish we could get more um now after he's given the code name prodigy and placed on danielle moonstar's new mutant training squad he's um on the squad along with the mutant surge elixir wind dancer wallflower and wither um yeah i'm not gonna get too much into them i will however get into elixir who is a mutant who um like can change the biochemical structure of himself and anyone in his vicinity which like he can i mean like change like if you have a cold i think he can like alter the the virus in your body so that it's non-existent like stuff like that like he's a very interesting character um he is white prior to becoming a uh mutant so to have him we might find a way to to work him in because i do like his powers um but i'm not really i don't know a whole lot about him but what i found through reading through this research for david i did enjoy so i'll maybe find a way to kind of work that in somewhere now danielle appointed prodigy as the team leader leader excuse me he declined and wind dancer took over now wind dancer however is a young lady named sophia ta 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 mantega 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 um i think she may be hispanic she is a character who um possesses aerokinesis which is pretty much she can uh control the wind um a little bit of like weather manipulation and she took over now prodigy wasn't with that because he was like i ain't gonna be your token leader no it is <laughs> let me take a quick aside on this team everyone had their like new age white and yellow get-ups and that was cool but i don't know why the fuck prodigy had on this big ass white trench coat like this <laughs> this should look odd as fuck like especially if we're gonna be fighting like i mean i get that i can absorb your mental stuff and whatnot but then in physical combat i never understood like even with gambit well maybe gambit makes a little bit more sense but why are you wearing this jubilee gambit prodigy the trench coat mafia so um <laughs> okay so uh wind dancer um turned out to have some limits with leading the team uh, and at the end, Prodigy and Wind Dancer chose to become co-leaders, which is something that I do like. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a trope when it comes to X-Men, but I do like that like leader in charge, that kind of struggle for power, or that when there's some type of natural progression where you realize it's time to be a co-lead as opposed to just a solitary leader i want to say storm and cyclops had this going on back in the 90s uh i'm not 100 percent sure i can't even give you like a issue number i just i feel like that has happened and if you know listeners out there please feel free to tweet me carefree blurred using the hashtag cbm pod and throw out some issue numbers for me now in an attempt to increase his usefulness, 
Prodigy asks Emma Frost, aka the White Queen, to remove the mental blocks despite Moonstar's apprehensions. Now, the the mental blocks again were that side effect of his powers manifesting, which I guess kind of stopped him from uh, reaching the true level of um, of his powers. Now, that in itself reminds me again of Jean Grey. This character, and like I said, he seems to be the poor man's sink, Everett Thomas, but in his own right and with the uh, situation surrounding his powers and the powers themselves, it seems as if he is more in line with Jean Grey, which for me, <laughs> I don't see why he wouldn't be an Omega level mutant, which again, being the poor man's sink, if sink Everett Thomas had have lived, uh, spoiler alert, he would have eventually become an Omega level mutant. Um, and I don't, I'm having issues because now with the way prodigy stories goes, he has this immense power. He has these mental blocks up. They are removed. He gets a flash, a vision of how his life could be if they were removed and what would happen. And then that power is stripped away from him during M day, which we'll get to that. But my thing is this character this black man has so much fucking power and potential for power that is just stripped away from him or manipulated like at every turn. And that's an issue that I have because now you have this black boy who's just trying to fucking live from Chicago with a loving family, just trying to go to school and better himself. And through situations that he can't control, shit is just changing for him, which feels so familiar. Like, God. Ah, uh, to be black and a mutant. Um, now, Danielle didn't want this to happen, which I don't understand why. Like, maybe someone who has read this run with Prodigy in it can enlighten me. But why in the fuck would you have an issue? Like, even with Jean Grey, apart from the Phoenix and Dark Phoenix and all that, she is an immensely powerful telepath. She is an Omega-level mutant, aside from all the cosmic shit that was, like, put on her. Why are you restricting these people's powers? Now, as a child, as a kid with this potential, I can see how it would make sense to regulate. But then the question comes in, who will be the regulator? And whoever the regulator is, who polices that person? Because now do I not have agency of my own body because you're deciding what's what when I'm a fully functioning, almost adult. Um, I think that this part of Prodigy's history really bothers me. And it's just manipulating. The, I just, uh, okay. I, we'll just get, we'll get into it because <laughs> it bothers me to no end. Now, Emma, White Queen, and Danielle secretively subjected David to a startling vision of the possible future, which we will get to that towards the end. And that vision is called Too Much Information. That was a storyline. Um, I won't get into it just now, but I'll bring it back up. Now, this vision of a possible future, should David, excuse me, have released the mental blocks, it frightened him. This grim vision. Now, Prodigy opted to have his to not have his powers enhanced, which is like, again, you're stifling this man's future uh, potential, um, what he could be, and not even because of something that you know to be fact. You're doing this out of fear of something that you don't know for sure. So instead of letting these things naturally progress, you put these images into his head, which is like, Danielle, bitch, what are you doing? But I digress. Um, I will say I just recently got into watching Naruto, the anime um, from like years back. I'm super, super late. I think I'm on the third episode. And this reminds me a lot of him. And of course, like I said, I'm only three episodes in, so I don't know what's going to happen with him later on down the line. But everyone treats this boy like he is a leper, like he is just the worst thing on earth. And he has no idea. He has no family. Um, he has this nine-tailed demon wolf cat in him that people just refuse to discuss. And I feel it's the same thing. Like, you're stopping this man from becoming something great or even bad. And if it's something bad, so fucking what? Now you have to decide how to handle this if it became something bad. But you're not even giving this man the uh the option to experience this shit for himself like 
I just okay. I get it on one hand because so much shit happens in the Marvel universe. So much horrible shit happens with different mutants. But to have to kind of <laughs> y'all, y'all see, I'm into this shit <laughs> to to mess around with this black. But I think I think the race thing is what's really making this hard for me to digest. Um, and I. <laughs> It's making it hard for me to digest. You have this white woman. And with Emma Frost, though, she is this wealthy one percenter of a white woman with this immense power. For her, this is very on brand. So I, I'm i not 100% upset with that because it's like, this is what this motherfucker does. With Danielle, however, you, I guess maybe she's trying to, um, to stop a possible threat. <sighs> I just, I just can't see it. Why are you manipulating this young boy with these false images in his head? It's like you're pretty much brainwashing him. Why are you doing this? Like, ugh. okay, so <laughs> that aside, um, okay, David opted to not have his powers enhanced, and he began to distance himself from his friends, which that makes 100% sense for me because now you have this, kind of quit and choir effect where you've seen this terrible future and though this is something that was implanted in their mind it's still like that's the future so is this who i become like i'm a great wonderful guy now i'm doing all my tests i'm studying i'm being a good friend but what in me snaps to make me become this person but now you're afraid of a lie something that might happen um that you think might happen but it because it's implanted in your head which is just Man, that's so dirty, man. Now, um, the researcher gets kind of muddled. Like, I went through a few different sites, and I don't know what the time frame is between Emma and Danielle putting those thoughts into his head and then dissemination. Like, I don't know what that is. Um, Now, Elixir, the character I said before, his name is Josh. Um, He's important now, and he's important to that new future that created future um too much information which we'll get to now the revelation that josh elixir was having a secret relationship with wolfsbane only kind of deepened that rift between prodigy and his uh his classmates now in an attempt to mend bonds some chick named sophia <laughs> uh trickled tricks and he tricked everyone into having like a camp out on the campus or whatever and this is what x-men are known for this uh angsty teenage love affair drama all that shit like that's what they're known for um eventually everyone reconciled and they became good friends or whatever now moving on to dissemination in the wake of m day which was the day in which scarlet witch after like kind of having a psychotic break wiped more than half i think 75 percent of the mutant population off of her. it may have been more because i think 100 and was it 192 mutants were left i believe that's the number there was only 192 active mutants after she whispered the words no more mutants which i think is a really good storyline um if you, those longtime listeners you remember that is the book that got me back into comics when i walked into the comic store and i was like hey I've been away for some years. I want to get back in. What's a good story for me to read? Marvel was my thing. DC, not so much. The guy at the counter pointed to M-Day, the trade, um, and that was that. I'm back in it. Now, um, he, David, is one of the mutants who lost their powers. Now, to transform the X-Mansion into a mutant sanctuary, all depowered mutants were asked to leave, which is like, damn, insult to motherfucking injury. Um, I'm started off as a very intelligent young kid. I'm doing everything I need to do. You tell me to get up, do well in school. I find out I have a mutant power that enhances my learning ability. And then now I'm kind of fighting with myself about it. So I'm studying even harder. In the midst of studying, I get outed by this damn rebel-ass mutant hate group. So now my life is in jeopardy. I have to go to this goddamn school with all these other mutants. And now I'm I'm, I'm thrusting into this uh, 
role as the leader and co-leader of this team and then I want to be more impactful as a team member and a team leader but then I get my mind and thoughts altered by somebody who thinks that they mean me well then I lose my goddamn powers like and then I'm kicked out of the school it's like what else can go wrong like what the god Marvel y'all treat this motherfucker so bad now he was asked to leave and there was a bus of kids who were no longer mutants like being sent out which I felt like could have been handled very differently because I don't understand like after M-Day and everyone loses their powers you're still a mutant um and I understand that you want this to be a sanctuary for mutants but what do you do with the people who have that lived in experience though I may not be a mutant physically anymore for however many years I live with this as part of my identity. With M-Day, I don't understand how the telepaths did not kind of think that, well, if this could be done, it could possibly be reversed. So what happens when you sent those kids out? Kids, mind you, away from the school because, oh, now you're human. And six months, a year, two years from now, their powers manifest again. And now what? You know, it's just, it was it's such an odd, like... The way that the, it's good to have different creators on stories because you get, you know, kind of rich stories. You get a, a wide variety of things that could happen. But there is something to having a controlled universe like uh, Strangers in Paradise with Terry Moore. He that's his universe that he controls and he moves all the pieces around as opposed to a larger thing like DC or like Marvel where everyone and anyone has their hands in so many different stories. It does not seem regulated. And I'm sure it is because there's a big company, but it's not it's not even that I feel like I could do better. But some of this stuff just seems so out of left field, like who in their right mind just sends off like a whole busload of kids. You're no longer mutants. You think a hate group is going to give a damn like think of imitation of life. Homegirl was visually she appeared as a white woman was a black woman, but on the outside with melanin and hair type and stuff, she looked like a white woman. What happened when they found out? She got her ass beat. Like, because you, motherfucker, you still black. You may appear to be a white woman, but you are a black woman. So it's, again, when you have properties and you give them to people with those lived in experience or who've had something similar or just more than just the all boys club, you get something richer. Like, this is probably a small plot point in the story, but it makes absolutely no sense. These kids were sacrificed just to be killed by the purifiers what happens now there should be some type of fallout me as a parent my daughter manifested the powers to control fire and she burned down our house i send her to xavier's to get help controlling this shit she finally gets control she loses her power and you send her home on a bus now she's dead what do i do like what do i do (laughs) i don't i just do better (laughs) y'all now um the students who were sent out on the bus was blown up by the purifiers, that mutant hate group. Luckily, they say David was not on the bus. That's not luckily. Like, yeah, it is for him, but shit. The bus had to have at least, I'll say, 50 kids on it. That's 50 lives lost. Like, bro. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> with the um, Danger Room inactive, Prodigy built the Danger Cave. Now, this was in the caverns well below the school, and this allowed his teammates to train after he left. However, Cyclops, Scott Summers, and the Aleens, the um, father and mother, of course, of David, decided that it would be safer for him to remain at the mansion. Yeah, yeah, it's safer after you didn't sacrifice all these lives to think, oh, well, it would make more sense for him to stay. Yes, because even though he isn't a mutant anymore, he never presented physically that he was a mutant so he can walk around human all day long and still get his ass killed because somebody thinks he's a mutant. whatever um <laughs> they wanted to remain there because william striker was targeting depowered mutants oh you think duh like because again me as a mutant and me as a a, a uh, mature mutant who has seen some things and understand how the world anything is unpredictable i know that you've been depowered you could be repowered why would i send you away and this is me as the mutant think about the people who hate mutants they probably have the same line of thinking yes you've been depowered but what happens when you're now flooding the city and the world because i, I hate mutants 
and then your powers manifest randomly later on. It's better to kill you and eliminate the threat now as opposed to letting you regain this power. Like, it just, it makes no sense. That is a weird part in this story that just does not make sense to me. But I digress again. <laughs> now, David proved to be useful um, on the team once, like, duh, he did. Like, he is... I don't know, an exceptional Negro, I guess. Now, when Stryker attacked, attacked the mansion, Prodigy was wounded by one of the purifiers. This is why perfect. <laughs> this is why he was protecting the Stepford Cuckoos. Now, with them, that's an interesting um, because I am familiar with them as the three Stepfords, but I'm not familiar with them um, like their origins and stuff. So, like as a quick aside, while Emma Frost was laying comatose dr john sublime harvested eggs from her to begin experimentation which is like what the fuck are you doing the weapon plus program which um is responsible for wolverine um and a bunch of others but wolverine most notably uh began cloning to develop a powerful weapon capable of killing every mutant on earth by combining their telepathic abilities of the cloned um emma frost eggs by combining their uh, telepathic abilities the project was designated weapon oh is that 26 yeah 25 26 yeah i think that's right <laughs> 26 xiv so that's 26 <laughs> now um the girls were incubated and artificially aged inside this uh kind of matrix looking womb or whatever now thousands of girls were cloned from the uh emma frost eggs while the others remained dormant five girls were sent to infiltrate the ex xavier institute now as student sisters to their <laughs> to hone their talents uh for sublime's purpose and i believe sublime and this is a deep dive um is okay so taking a quick aside again <laughs> People hate mutants, but they love the Fantastic Four. They love the Avengers and all this. That never made sense as they all exist in the same universe. And none of, not none of them, for the majority, a lot of people do not manifest physically. Captain America, what makes him different from Daredevil or different from Mr. Fantastic or different from Forge or Bishop? They physically just look like regular men. Sublime, um, if I'm remembering correctly, is the virus or bacteria that has been around since the beginning of earth and i'll get more into this i think in a later lesson but what happened is sublime is able to exist within different organisms in earth and as evolution happened and and people became and were walking around and doing whatever he was able to feed on humans and animals and whatnot but with the eruption of mutants and mutant abilities within people that is a direct contradiction to um i guess the existence of sublime sublime is unable to use mutants as a host so case in point if mutants were to become most of the world's population sublime would die out and so the explanation between people loving the fantastic four and loving the avengers but hating mutants comes from sublime being in the DNA of humans as a way to attack the mutants as a virus. Um, and so when you see all these mutant hating groups of like baseline humans, that is sublime within them, like trying to get rid of the mutant threat, because if you get rid of, if mutants are able to advance sublime does not, he dies out. So, that's the weird thing. So all in all, the five girls uh, who were cloned from Emma Frost were these five blonde-haired, blue-eyed white women who had this telepathic ability. They were supposed to go into the Xavier School, um, infiltrate, make their power stronger, and eventually like help kill out mutants or whatever. So anyone out there, if I've said anything wrong, correct me. But uh, <laughs> that's what I found. Now, <clears throat> after uh, saving the Stepford Cuckoos, which is... This black man risking his life for these white women. Um, after saving the Stepford Cuckoos, he uh, and this is all while being depowered, which is like, you know, I, this man is exceptional, and I don't know if that's like a bad thing <laughs> because you're now that token Negro, the magical Negro without the magic, or if it's just you're just doing a good job at being um, at um, the talents that you've uh, accumulated over time. Now, deciding to become more proactive in their battles. 
Prodigy joined the new X-Men and helped to lead the assault on Nimrod at Forge's place in Dallas, Texas. Woo-woo, Dallas! Um, he proved useful to the team, and at the defeat of Nimrod, Cyclops offered Prodigy a permanent place on the X-Men and at the Xavier Institute, but was consequently to his actions red flagged by O-N-E, um, along with the other new X-Men, which is, again, a story that I am... Um, kind of familiar with but not a hundred percent now going on to the quest for magic um along with his class and teammates prodigy was pulled into limbo by belasco now during this search for magic he was um interrogated by belasco and told him that uh she was dead she being magic now belasco tore out his heart in a rage prodigy collapsed dead but elixir remember josh elixir from before was able to act quickly and regrew his heart which is like Man, that character alone, like I remember looking at, I think the first couple issues of the new X-Men and Elixir in the bedroom or the dorm room with another teammate and like freaking out. It's just, I, yeah, because I think he killed his dad. Like when his powers manifested, his dad was there and he turned his dad into dust. And that's before he was able to control them powers. So it's like. Shit, you can't go back and bring him back unless you went back in time, but whatever. So, he regrew uh, Prodigy's heart. Now, David then tended to uh, Elixir, who was now drained of his powers. Because, like, that's something I think they do get right with Elixir. Like, how the power takes a toll on him. And it's one thing to kind of, like, heal someone's wound. But to regrow a whole heart, which has to power this entire body. Which, like, I'm like, man, that's... Good job, Elixir. Now, um, they freed the Stepford Cuckoos from Belasco's uh, special telepathy-proof helmets and organized Mercury and Dust in battling Belasco. He was finally defeated. Belasco was finally defeated by Magic, who sent all the students and X-Men back to the mansion. Now, that trip to Limbo, which is essentially a version of Hell in the Marvel Universe, deeply affected all the new X-Men. Fearing for David's life, Serge kissed Helion in front of him and the other students in hopes of driving David away. Now add the emotional abuse on top of it. Just, ugh, fuck y'all. <laughs> now Prodigy decided to leave but was confronted by the Stepford Cuckoos who offered to restore all of the memories he had previously gained. Now this is of course after he lost all his powers so he didn't have access to the things that he acquired while he was a mutant which I think is honestly a really good um, way to write his powers because he's still intelligent but everything that he had while being powered is gone like that that makes sense to me that seems like if mutants were real that is something that would happen now they offered to restore those memories and he accepted their offer with this restored knowledge prodigy was made a junior teacher to the new x-men responsible for their training when the other x-men were away now, in this, I'm not sure how old he is. I still would give him about mm, 17, 18-ish, I guess. Because um, none of this seems like it took more than like a year, year and some change to happen. Now, when the Hulk attacked the school, Beast ordered David to protect the other students instead of taking part in the fight against the Hulk, which is like, why would you? You're still a baseline human. Um, when Surge decided to lead the new X-Men in an assault on the Purifiers in Washington, D.C., Prodigy disagreed with the decision and opted to remain at the mansion with Elixir and Dust. Now, Dust, oh, I've been waiting to go over a Dust lesson. Like, this motherfucker is bad. She's a mutant um, from Afghanistan, and she wears the burqa. She, um, I believe she is Muslim. Her name is Soraya Qadar. Soraya Qadar. Oh, Lord. Soraya Kadar. Yeah, we'll go with that. But oh that motherfucker is bad. I like her. So I I'm I'm gonna try to get to her pretty soon. Now um he was left with elixir and dust, excuse me. Now later, Prodigy aided the beast in providing medical aid to their wounded comrades in the infirmary infirmary. Good lord. Now one thing that I don't understand with David, and maybe this is just me and boy, I'm thinking it. You guys chime in and let me know. If I knew I had this ability to absorb the knowledge of the people close to me, in proximity to me, I would take my ass to Washington, D.C. I would take my ass to the nearest hospital, to the nearest fucking military uh, station. Like, 
I would seek out those with this great knowledge just to be near them. And not even like specifically mutants, but just like intelligent ass people. Like, and I wonder would it work on the dead? Like if I went to Einstein's grave, could I absorb it? Okay, so yeah. Um, now, uh, after providing this medical aid to their wounded comrades, he helped to protect the wounded from the attacks of Predator X. Now, for those of you who don't know, Predator X is this thing. Um, it's kind of like a looks like a beast analog. But um, what, what, so what happened was before dying, William Stryker commissioned the facility to create a living weapon to aid in his crusade to eradicate the mutant race. And this was one of those things. And they're quick to put an X on something. Weapon X, Predator X, Prodigy X. Like, Lord, Xavier, want that cool. No. <laughs> now, um, he protected these friends and uh, was part of a group teleported by Pixie to Muir Island for the climactic battle of the Messiah Baby. Uh, the fate of the Messiah Baby. That, of course, I think was Hope. Hope or... Yeah, I think that was Hope. Now, San Francisco and Utopia. Now, although no longer a mutant, Prodigy moved to San Francisco when invited by the X-Men to join them in their new mutant haven. He helped in battling the Skrull invasion, uh, moving the X-Men to Utopia, constructing a clear, clean water system for the island, and defending Utopia from the evolutionaries. Uh, during Second Coming, when the mutant messiah returned to the present, Prodigy was aided by Dr. Nemesis and the X-Club on Utopia when Wolverine and Cyclops decided to part ways. Prodigy was a very vocal proponent of remaining on Utopia with Cyclops. He was later appointed leadership of the younger X-Men on Utopia. Now Avengers vs. X-Men, Prodigy was among the young X-Men detained in the Avengers compound with the Avengers Academy during the war between Avengers and X-Men. Which, damn it, shit keep happening to this nigga. <laughs> now post-Avengers vs. X-Men, David opted not to return to Westchester to attend the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning with the other young mutants despite um, urging uh, by other people. He refused X-Team's affiliation and he sensed that the teachers and leaders were using him since the beginning. Instead, he joined a company hiring superhumans as a hotline consultant for exotic situations. He was at a call center. <laughs> now, his former allegiance to Cyclops' X-Men and leadership of the Utopian students cataloged him as a terrorist. There at the call center, he met Tommy Shepard of the defunct Young Avengers. Together, they investigated a mysterious thief resembling Patriot's uniform, resulting in Speed's abduction. Now, Patriot, I did a lesson on him, uh, one of the black Captain Americas way back. I think that was in season two of Carefree Black Nerd. Um, now, moving on a bit further, we're going to go into the um, the too much information storyline. Okay, so with this... David, now the too much, too much information storyline is the, is the manifest, well, it's the storyline that is the visions that were implanted in his mind through Emma and Danielle back when he wanted those original blocks to be stripped away. And that was Earth, instead of Earth 616, which is the main Marvel continuity, this is Earth 600123. Now. Following another mocking from Julian, David, prodigy, believes that he is useless if he can't keep the knowledge that he absorbs. After a session with Emma Frost, he finds out that a mental block in his mind prevents him from keeping that information. He wants that removed. After a discussion with Danielle, David decides to go for it. The plan works, and day after day, David absorbs everything he can from science knowledge to fighting skills, but his attitude changes as well, and not in a good way. Later, new field day contestants are held. Contests, excuse me, are held. And this year, the new mutants win. David also gets a trophy for all-around academic excellence. And a few hours later, David announces that the school has got nothing more to offer him, and he leaves. Good for you. However, he promises to help Josh Elixir find the full potential of his powers, which makes sense. They seem to be like the two most powerful motherfuckers who could just feed off of each other, but whatever. 
Three months pass in this timeline. David creates a ver- his very own Aline Enterprises and gathers a press conference proudly, he announces, to have found a cure for both cancer and AIDS. Like, that's motherfucking right. That's what you do. What the fuck else would you do? You have these powers. Yes, you're a mutant. Yes, you're discriminated against. But why the fuck wouldn't you use this to help? Like, Beast shouldn't be the only person who's allowed to come up with these new advances and do shit the right, like, whatever. Now, he, David, did that together with Josh Foley, Elixir, who agreed to serve as a test subject. But, unfortunately, this caused Josh to die. Sad. Now, 18 years later, Danielle gets summoned to David, who is now the President of the United States. He informs her about his plan to bring world peace, and is close to reach it, but not all countries have joined America yet. And therefore, David wants to destroy China. <laughs> what the fuck? Because China was hesitant. Now, in the hopes that the other countries would join his land peacefully, Danielle tries to fight back, but gets bound to a chair and killed by toxins. So that's two, two for two. David regrets the decision as he once loved Danielle and would have done anything for her. Even if, um, even uh, show some affection, uh, if she had to show some affection back, if she had to show some, some whatever. <laughs> now David's wife, wife Nokio, Norkio, Nokio, Nokio, sees it all happens and runs away from him. She gathers the entire mutant team as they plan a counterattack, despite their many differences. Uh, they make a truce with the Hellions, which is the bad motherfuckers, and attack the White House. David has foreseen it all happening and had a backup plan. He faked this threat in outer space. He blamed it on the Hellions. The X-Men had to go to address it. Once they did, he blew all the motherfuckers up. He killed them all. Um, <laughs> now, um, Nokio, his wife, is left, and she overloads her powers, therefore killing herself. David uh, and blowing up the entire White House. Emma Frost and Danielle stop the session and hope that David hasn't seen why he uh, really isn't ready for his mental blocks to be removed. David freaks out, but Danielle and Emma make it clear that this was just a mixture of telepathy, um, and Danielle used her fear powers on David to make him experience it all like it was very real. David agrees for the blocks to not be removed and wants to study and hope that his future achievements will all be earned. He walks out with Danielle, and they clear up their relationship and both agree that David's affections towards her can never become reality. Fuck you. This is, this is some shit. Um, with David, he is confirmed bisexual. In the run um, of Prodigy, in Prodigy's run, he uh, got into a relationship with what's that girl name? The Asian chick. Let's see. Excuse me. Forgive me for not being prepared. Um, yeah, he got into a relationship with her. And it it didn't work out. Um, what is her name? Jesus. Uh, yeah, my apologies. I'll put it up in the show notes or something. But he got into a relationship with her. But then it came out that in Younger Ventures, he kissed Hawkling. And he was confirmed bisexual by Axel Alonso. Yes. Um, who did an interview with comic book resources this was back in 2012 or 13 and that's cool i guess my issue with that is why can't nobody black like black people like huckling is clearly a white boy i don't care he has green skin this blonde hair blue-eyed white character that is a hulk like what are you doing like interracial love all fine and good bisexuality is great but shit why in the fuck can't you black love be a thing but i digress all in all, I do like Prodigy um, as a character. I think he is, though started off as the poor man's uh, Everett Thomas, he is actually better, not better than Everett, but I think that he is a second chance for Everett to exist. Um, he's a good character that does shit on his own, has had a troubled, troubled life. Um, the last time, or the most recent time that we've seen him, is when he is at the Sotomayor University back in America Chavez's uh, solo run from 2017, which she um, enrolled in that university. and He was like already there being a genius and stuff. So I like that. But I just, he's had a rough fucking life. Um, 
and I don't I don't like the way he's been treated. Um, even now, still not having his mutant abilities, but having these retained uh, combat skills and intelligence from when he was a mutant kind of puts him in a gray area where, no, you're not a mutant, but you still have latent abilities from when you were. But are you really ever human again? Like, you're not baseline. Like, do you have the uh, recessive gene within you that if you had a child, they would become mutant? Like, that's, I don't know, I don't know. But all in all, I do like this character. I'd like to see more done with him. Uh, he has the power set that would translate well on TV, as we've seen in things like uh, Jessica Jones, in Luke Cage, in Daredevil, where it's really about the acrobatics and not necessarily the flashy, pink-looking powers or you know or any extreme special effects. So it, he would translate very well on screen. Which shows like the Runaways on Hulu, and um, like the Netflix series, it would be easy enough to make this story about Prodigy, changing some things around and putting it on a streaming service or putting him in a movie. Like I would like to see more of him. I don't really have a good hang on. Like I know who this character is. I've done my research. I'm I'm enjoying him. But I don't have an emotional connection to him like I do of other characters. Case in point, Generation X. So I'd like to see what could be done with him. I don't know if there's even enough there to say Prodigy is this way. You know, because it seems like every turn in his relationship or um, his appearances in the comics has been altered, manipulated, changed in some way. Um, like him being confirmed bisexual. That, of course, had the fanboys and girls just up in arms. And it's like... Oh, you get this constant, oh, the feminization of the African-American man. Like, what the fuck are you doing? This is a comic book. Other people outside of cis, heterosexual-ass people deserve to see themselves in these books, especially when this was designed initially, way back in the 60s, to be a stand-in for the discrimination that black people are receiving on a day-to-day basis. And then it evolved to what homosexual people were receiving and things like AIDS and HIV with the legacy virus. You... Nothing under the sun is new and nothing in these comics are brand new. You just have these people who are able to overlook these stories that they don't like and don't accept them as canon and then get upset because the one thing has changed. Bobby Drake Iceman was retconned as being homosexual. So fucking what? That's one out of a thousand plus people who you can read. Oh, but I loved him as a kid. It's such a, so you love him less because of his sexuality, which is never even on the forefront he's dated women yeah but i can't recall a time where there has been years worth of arcs where it was specifically him sleeping with a woman it, that doesn't matter that shit gets so fucking frustrating like calm the fuck down it's okay things change a lot of shit gets retconned and moved around it's okay to have this attachment to these characters and not want things to change but then when you're upset that things are changing to your characters but to help out or to better the representation or other people feeling seen that's a problem like and to get that backwards ass um argument that well if black panther was white or if storm was white or such such that makes absolutely no sense white people are the physical majority so why would you change a character from a person of color to a white person that makes absolutely no sense when you have a slew of white characters and a lot of characters who people aren't even fucking using who you can change their race or gender bend them and now it's you're upset like piss off um with the too much information storyline though an issue that i've had with with this is that david does all of these great things for mutant kind but he doesn't do a lot of great things for black people specifically I bring that up because David is a conventionally attractive, non-visible appearing or um, um, presenting mutant. So at the end of the day, your black identity is very um, in the forefront. If I don't know you and know that you're a mutant, but I see that you're a black person, I'm treating you as such because that's what I'm seeing. Your mutant power is 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 latent or um, not latent. Excuse me. It's it's um, not physical, so it's not something that I can see. 
So when you're getting attacked and hate crime, it's because you're black. It's not because you're a mutant. In this world of Marvel, yeah, that's the case because you have these writers who are making it such. But David is a conventionally attractive, um, athletic-built black man who is presented that way. So why would I attack you because you're a mutant? Now, when he became president, um, I think this was actually before Obama. Yes, it was before Obama became president because in this storyline... It ran from, I think, 2005 to 2006. This um, Earth 600123. Yeah, so it started in April of 2005 and ended in May of 2005. Yeah, so it was just one issue. So that was before Obama was president. And so it's like all this weird backwards-ass shit, like they mean well and the story seemed interesting enough, but... David, what are you doing for these people of color, for people that look like you? Like, what are you doing? It just, it was stand a reason that his blackness would be more dominant than his mutinous. Like, yeah, you want to protect your mankind, but you being from Chicago of all places, being this black ass family, and you uh, just, whatever. But, any on a great note, <laughs> David is cool. I like him. Um, let, let me know what you think. We're going to keep this conversation going. Was David an interesting character? Could you have done without him? Do you know more about David Aline than I do? If so, tweet me, Carefree Blurred. Use the hashtag CBNPod. I'd like to get some feedback, get some conversation and whatnot. If you knew nothing about Prodigy and now you do, like, you know, kudos. Like, oh, that's cool. I like him. Whatever. He could do better. And for those of you who, are, who know about Generation X and now about Prodigy, do you see him as the poor man's sink? Does he seem like, yeah, that's just a ripoff? Um, or does he seem like a character who stands alone on his own? Also, any ideas you might have about how could he be represented on TV, in movies, in other books? Like, give me some information. Give me some give me some ideas, y'all. No. Um, so this has been Carefree Black Nerd Podcast. As always, please tweet Carefree Blurred using the hashtag CBNPod when you're live tweeting this um, episode and let me know what's going on. Also, if you want to suggest future episodes or, you know, projects that I might want to take on, email me as well at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. If you'd like to come on to the show, discuss uh, uh, a book you're working on, your writing, your coloring, your lettering, or uh, just something, you know, you want to shoot the shit about comics, let me know. Um, until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and uh, don't let these people manipulate you and put images in your head to make you scared of your own potential. That's what they want you to be. You be better. <laughs> All right.